With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. And welcome back to the Underdog Dynasty Podcast, AAC edition. My name's Dan Morrison. That's Emily Van Buskirk. How are you doing today, Emily? Good. I have this song stuck in my head. I wish I could play it on the podcast without... Copyright. I think you can play like five seconds or like I think you're, seconds. I think you're welcome to sing the song. I'm not enough. Because you're probably <laughs> not going to hit the notes that would get it copyrighted. Oh my God. I, would I was actually a singer when I was younger. I was in choir in high school and I had a melodious voice, but. Oh, well, la-di-da. I <laughs> cannot sing for the life of me. Can't carry, you know, can't carry a tune, huh? It's not great. Uh, well, shout out to Lotto. If you're not listening to Big Big Energy, uh, she hit us with the remix with Mariah Carey, and it is fantastic. So if you're looking, I mean, it's Tuesday right now. We're recording this Tuesday. If you're looking for a weekend song, this is your calling to download that and listen to it because it's epic. Well, they'll put you in the mood. There you have a music podcast yeah. for you. Song uh, recommendation of the week. I should start that. I, as Eric Henry will testify, I am a huge music guru. I used to be a DJ when I was younger. I DJed in, in the Bay Area and I have a whole series on college DJs because I am obsessed with like music and what people listen to and how it pumps up the crowd. So I'm going to start doing like a song recommendation of the week. You do that and I'll... And I'm going to start asking, like, that's going to be one of the questions I asked Holton, Holton Aylers this week is like, what's your okay. what's your song right now? You you go for it. It's not good to ask me what song I'm listening to. It's I wasn't going to. Like, oh, wasn't. This is how conversations work. I don't know if you well, know. I know. Uh, my point <laughs> is, I don't listen to new stuff ever. Okay. I listen well, to the same things over and over again. So I... That sounds right. That sounds right. So. I know. Broken record. Uh but I'm good. I'm you I'm great. Good. I'm glad to be recording. We've been itching to do this, but we had to watch the national championship game last night, so we couldn't record. Yeah, but just it was worth it. A million things coming up that push things back into the off yeah. season. So sometimes it's good to wait an extra week to have enough to talk about. Yes, and yeah. we have plenty to talk about. But you did watch the national championship game. Of course. Of course. I know people, I don't know if they know this about me because apparently I was getting a lot of texts last night as to why I was tweeting about wanting some of my friends at the game to bring me confetti home. Uh, if you don't know, I'm a huge Kansas basketball fan. I don't have a legitimate reason to be one. I didn't go there. I'm not from Kansas, but you just like FBI I- investigations. No, I, when I was younger, I watched Kirk Heinrich play and it was the most glorious thing I've ever seen. I'll never forget his first game. And ever since then, I love, I loved Kirk Heinrich. So I started watching Kansas and I love Bill Self. And I, there is no better college basketball environment than Lawrence, like Lawrence than Allen Fieldhouse. So if you haven't been there, I don't want to hear it about Kansas. Weird way of pronouncing the cage. UMass in the nineties. Come on now. 
Raging Page. Like, Come on. I mean, I don't know. I'm just, just no, <laughs> immediately no, because Allen Field, I mean, Kansas is the birthplace of basketball. Okay. Like, uh, no, it's not. Naismith, yes, it is. Naismith, uh, who invented the game, was their head coach. And yeah, but he invented it in Massachusetts where he was living. At the he time. didn't coach in Massachusetts. No. He brought the he, game to Kansas. But he lived in my hometown when he invented basketball for the Springfield YMCA, which is why. It matters that we mentioned. okay so ymca basketball you can have that but college basketball will take that again oh, we also have the hall of fame in western Mass. that's so. also where the resting place of the original rules are in kansas yeah. in lawrence field house or in yeah. do, do they include the ladder to go up and get the ball because no one's yeah. to cut a hole in the bottom of the bucket come <laughs> on now well anyways uh, it was an incredible game i'm sure you guys all saw it. the biggest comeback win in ncaa championship game history Kansas real fast start, which I knew was going to be a problem because they can't play like that. But Remy Martin, my boy from the Pac-12 Arizona State, just doing it live at the end there. I'm so happy for him. The thing so. is, North Carolina had nothing to gain by winning that. They already won their national championship when they that's I know ruined they beat Kay's career. Yeah, they that's great. Ended, they ended Case career twice with losses to him. At Cameron this year, they beat him to end Case yeah. Cameron time, and then they beat him in the tournament to end. But you That's saw their coach. Needed. He wanted it. I mean, he wanted. wanted. I mean, he was like frothing at the mouth. Like, uh, no, of course you, you can't want. have it. Well, you can't yeah. have it. You, you're starting to remind me. One of my best friends from childhood. He's at Ohio State in a doctoral mm-hmm. program. He almost went to the Kansas version of the same program. And he's decided to be a Kansas fan ever since. Yeah. As well as so he roots for Kansas in basketball now in Ohio State in football and football. It's a pain. Smart. It's a pain. Yeah. But this is the thing is I'm not like a overt crazy Kansas fan. And obviously with my profession, I can't be much of a fan of anything, but disagree. I I, disagree. Well, okay. (laughs) I will say that being a female in the sports industry, it is better to not show your fandom. A guys, a lot of times can get away with it. Girls cannot. So I think it's tricky to do like, in all honesty, Because, like, if you're doing pure journalism, you really do need to be unbiased because those biases mm-hmm. show up. I think that if you're doing more opinion, op-ed, kind of, like, article things, for the most part, which I tend to do a little bit more on that side than pure journalism, but I, right. I, I dabble. I, stick, I t- dip my toes in the water. I think it's easier to just be like, this is my personality, and you're reading the personality behind what I'm saying. I like it. Your articles are always very interesting because they're, they're different and the way, and I like that, you know, if it's something you haven't seen before and everybody go read Dan's articles. I know. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Um, New one went up today. It did. I I retweeted it. Definitely go check that out. Um, We're in the middle. Well, we're in the middle of pro days, but we're almost to the NFL draft. Like, Mm -hmm. Isn't that yes. crazy? Yeah, it's like two weeks away. We have to record. I think well, next okay. week like, we're recording. Like three weeks like, away. Don't say that because I'm set to go to okay. Vegas and I'm. it's coming okay. up too quick. But we have to record the uh, Underdog Dynasty like massive podcast with oh, Eric yeah. and Joe at some point. I think that's next week. So Shoot, I knew. gotta pay attention to my calendar. Just text me. Hopefully they don't listen to this and know that neither of us have any idea when that is. I think they always listen. <laughs> apparently i don't know if you heard the last episode but they had hunter on or the one before that and all of a sudden i'm getting these tweets and it's like oh emily you're immediately brought up in this podcast and i was like oh great like this is going to be some some stories but it was actually it was good 
No, they do a good job over at the I'm scared. But like, still. I've been out with Hunter. We like went out to the bars in Indy. And so I was like, oh no. Oh, I was going to say Charlotte, but whatever. Well, no, we did. Well, I don't, we didn't get to go out in Charlotte because I covered the game with him. Um, We did get to do a little video together, which was cool at halftime, but I, it was too crazy. I was flying out the next day because that was one of my three games in three days weekends. So I literally was like in to cover it and then out because I think that was a Friday night. I did a Thursday night and then a Friday night and then a Saturday. So, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, you did that during the fall a bunch where you just would go boom, boom, boom. So you yeah. didn't have time, to, no time to have fun like that. Sometimes yeah. it depends on how early they kick, but um, that's true. But yeah. I, I loved hanging out with Hunter. So they, do, you know, they, they were like listening to the podcast and I listened to their episode and I try and listen to them as much as I can, but so I'm assuming they listen to us. So they're definitely going to, going to hear this, but um, they're technically our bosses, not technically. <laughs> they are our bosses too. They're the editors of the site. So like, <laughs> I think they listen to it to see, make sure we're not running a muck over here. Yeah. Well, we have more coach audio for you guys this week, but first Yes. We're going to dive into a little bit of pro day talk. Um, mm-hmm. Dan managed to make it out to a pro day and, yep. and 10 points. If you can guess which one. Yeah, it was UCF. It was UCF. I to, yeah. I, I'm in Orlando right now. It is the easy pro day to go mm-hmm. to. I'm not kidding. But you also wanted to go to it. Of course. I'd rather go to the, like the USF pro day and the UCF pro day were the same day. Uh-oh. Why would I drive to Tampa for the USF one instead of staying in Orlando for the, it's just a matter of convenience, matter of everything, but no, it was a good, it was inside the uh, Nicholson field house. It was, I'd say 50% of NFL teams were there. If I had to take an estimation, Okay. maybe a little bit less. There's definitely some CFL teams was I had to look up what the Winnipeg blue bombers hat looks like. That was the one where I was like, Washington didn't change their color scheme. Did they? <laughs> like, who are you? Um, but no, it was good. There was like one, two, there was like eight or so guys working out for UCF. A uh, couple old names came back to like Greg McRae ran the 40 again. He was running routes to McKenzie Milton was throwing the ball there. He threw at Florida state's pro day too. Uh, Brandon Johnson though, the wide receiver had by far the best day for anyone uh, that UCF has, I'd say. Tested nice. really well in all the jumping and running. Uh, he also very soft hands, catching with his hands, not with his body. Like you could tell, like when like they were running routes and doing all those receiver running back quarterback drills, he was the one actually getting looked at. Like Nate Craig Myers was working out too, and he had a couple tough drops for himself, frankly. And you could tell that they're like the first he dropped this ball like an over the shoulder grab. And at that point, mm-hmm. you could kind of hear this, like, eh, I guess not about him. <laughs> and, like the whole oh. of scouts just turned and were staring at Johnson for the rest of the time. <laughs> uh, That's sad. It is what it is. You know, you can't drop a ball at your pro day. You just, that's what I happened. mean, yeah, it's no. that's true. Uh, Big Cat Bryant worked out too. The Auburn transfer to UCF. <laughs> massive. Like mm. it's the first time I've been like eye level with him. He made me, like I'm a big guy. I, I'm 6'2", 250. You're 6'2"? Yeah. I guess we only ever see each other sitting down, but that, I didn't realize yeah. you were that tall. Yeah. Okay. He made me feel like a little boy. Mm-hmm. Like he was basically working out in like a pair of boxer shorts and nothing else. <laughs> yeah. like, just like these really tight compression shorts, you know? Was that, it, is it hot? Was it hot out there? Oh, they had it like 80 something degrees in the field house. Really? Yeah, oh, it was God. hot. It was hot in the building. It may as well have been outside. Uh, Yuck. Yeah. Sticky. 
Um, but no, it was just, it was hot. And like when he was like doing his drills, he didn't like running the 40 time. He didn't want to be wearing a shirt or any resistance. So he didn't. And let me tell you what, if I ever felt out of shape before, <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> you got some flubber going on here compared to him. I uh, mean, these guys, this is what they're, they yeah. have to be in the best shape of their life. This is a job interview. Yeah. So Kalia Davis, uh, defensive tackle for UCF, who I think could be a good sleeper pick in the draft. He skipped 2020 due to COVID concerns. And then mm-hmm. unfortunately, like halfway through this past season tore his ACL, he wasn't able to work out on the field because of that ACL tear, but he did put up 30 reps on the bench. So, you know, he's a really good decent, like interior defensive lineman. I just mm-hmm. don't know where he gets drafted with like five games played in the last two years. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. But that's why these pro days are so important, important. I feel exactly. like. And I, what I really like about the pro days compared to the combine too is the combine, you've got this, there's no energy or flow with the other guys that you're there yeah. with. Like, especially receivers and uh, quarterbacks like running routes to, with each other. The mm-hmm. timing's off at the combine. Like a lot of times you'll see guys overthrow the ball, but just because the quarterback didn't know how fast or slow that guy was. You yeah. Know? Sometimes it's just like that chemistry that you don't have that makes a guy look bad at the combine. That no, and they all like pump each other up at the at the school pro days. It's fun. Exactly. And you get all the guys who are going out there who might end up in the XFL or USFL or CFL. Ooh, not, the USFL. Not plug. Just, well, you know what I mean though. But like it's not yeah. just NFL, like for sure NFL guys. It's guys going out for any level of the next level. Uh yeah. Oh, and uh, Cole Schneider, the offensive lineman, said he was thinking about doing cage matches if football doesn't work out. So I thought that was... I really think that a lot of these guys have a alternate path in the WWE and that kind of stuff because of, like, some of them are showmen. Like, right. just, I mean, I, George Kittle, I was following his his journey at the WWE Stone Cold Steve Austin thing that happened this past weekend or whatever. And it was, yeah. it's a nice fusion of football and fighting. So. I mean, you saw Pat McAfee at WrestleMania, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And there's a former Kennesaw State fullback that's now a WWE yeah. personality. Uh, Parker Boudreaux, the, uh, a former UCF offensive lineman, former Notre Dame offensive lineman too, transferred to UCF from Notre Dame. Uh, he's some kind of professional wrestling. I forget what awesome. it is exactly. Uh, he like looks like baby Brock Lesnar. Have you ever seen him, like a photo no. of him? It's I mean, he looks like he's all I don't think we need any more Brock Lesnar's though. Well, so. he, he looks like he's all steroids, to be honest. But like he looks <laughs> oh, just I, I'm gonna send you a photo right now. But yeah, no, please be, don't do that. Um, Dan always texts me in the middle of our conversation so that I, I'm like filled in. I'm like, all right, cool. Um, you got to catch up a little bit with my guy, Coach Herb Hand. Yeah. And you what did he spend a significant okay. amount of time talking about? Yeah, so he ended up talking with a couple members of the media for about 20 25 minutes about He's bacon, awesome. just about bacon in different places in like Tulsa <laughs> they're like where they've got the mm. best bacon and the, and it was just incredible to like have him basically live in Tulsa yeah because he coached at Tulsa for a while oh I need to tweet at him because I'm going to Tulsa this weekend so I'm, I'm like pro- where where this where's this bacon yeah I mean bacon barbecue he kept going west through West Virginia Texas uh Ohio every place where he's ever coached basically all the places that he's about yeah, I'm pretty sure that her hand was with uh, Gus Malzahn at Tulsa. Oh, I'm that not, makes sense. I'm not yeah. 100% certain, but I believe when Malzahn is Well, I'm sure you're going to Google it right now and find uh, out. But, yeah, um, yeah, from 2007 to the, 2009. There it is. One of the things people don't know about Herb Hand is that he is a, a big chef, big foodie, but he is an incredible cook. And so something I'm going to do with him, hopefully, in up this season is is 
like talked about, you know, the dishes that he makes. And um, there is rumored to be like big eat out cookouts and stuff at his home. And um, yeah, big, big foodie. So we're going to have some conversations about that, but I'm, I'm excited you got to catch up with him because he's awesome. Yeah. It was a good time. Um, yeah. It was good seeing everything uh, there. You know, like I said, did it feel good to be back in the football environment? Like it must have felt. So- it did. I've been thinking oh. I want to go out to more stuff like that, but then I'm immediately like, well, I'm not going to the spring game because I've got family in town. So I'm just like, spring games to me aren't that important. I know we were going to save it for later, but I like they're a fun day out. But I don't think that you learn anything at them. It's true, you don't. But you get to kind of see these guys in the culmination of their hard work, you know, this is what they're all, it's, it's, this is everything they've ever wanted right there in front of them. They just have to reach out and grab it and they've worked so hard for it. So I get a little emotional, especially with the guys Mm -hmm. that I'm, you know, close with, like, for example, today's two lanes pro day. And like, yeah, I thought about going out there to check in on our guy, Corey Dublin, because he's one of my, you were thinking about trips to NOLA. Let's be real. I mean, about Bourbon Street. I had to stay away. No, I don't go to Bourbon when I go to NOLA. I go to the local places mm. with the Tulane people. So I, sure. not, a, not a big Bourbon. I'm not, if you know me at all, I do not like crowds of people. Uh, you're at Bourbon Street ordering your hand grenades. No, I've never, how sh- dare you? Oh, I, I have love never a had grenade. a hand grenade. I've never a hand had a grenade. One. They're, rid- I mean, they're ridiculous, but gross. Or the never. shark attack one where they like will blow a whistle in your face and throw napkins at you for it. I was a bartender for many years and I loathe people that order adioses and, you know, Long Islands, like get, I will literally not, I'll be like, when, no. When I was at UMass, think I, like an when, adult. When I was at UMass, I would sometimes work odd jobs in the dishroom just to make some cash during the semester of like the dining halls. And there was this old man who also worked. There was mostly students. It'd be like nine students washing dishes in this one old man, but he would make us pictures of Long Islands to drink while we were working. So, you know, if you're ever at a UMass dining hall, just know all the people washing dishes are drunk. Mm, that's, I mean, that's pleasant. I like that. I, I like that for them. Um, but yeah, so, you know, a lot of these pro days going on and, and Tulane's got theirs today, which is funny because I was able to catch up with their head coach, Willie Fritz. As you know, I'm doing this, you know, AAC coaches tour where I'm interviewing them mm-hmm. all for a story I'm doing about schedules, which I'm hoping should come up this week or next week, finally. But while I have them on the phone, of course, I'm going to ask them questions about the AAC, which environments they think are tough, like, you know, all those things. And, mm-hmm. and Willie Fritz, as many of you know, especially Tulane fans, very, you know, straightforward kind of guy, not, not a lot of bells. He's dry. I don't want to say dry, not a lot of bells and whistles or pomp and circumstance with him. He's very straightforward. And the funny thing is every time I talk with him, as you guys will hear in a moment in this clip, he always sounds like he's lost his voice all the time. And I actually texted one of the Tulane players that, and they died laughing. I mean, he's just always yelling, like just he's exuberant out in the field. And so they said he's just, his voice is always gone. So Mm -hmm. it was no different when I spoke with him um, the last week after practice one morning. So I asked coach, I said, where is your favorite AAC environment to play in? And here is what Tulane head coach Willie Fritz had to say about that. Yeah, I think they all have got good environments. And, you know, you just need to go and go in there and, and uh, kind of block that stuff out. And, you know, we do a lot of noise during practice, you know, just so guys are, uh, you know, familiarize themselves with crowd noise and that's not an issue or a problem. We do that during the season. We don't do much of it during spring ball. Mm-hmm. But, 
Yeah, I think uh, everybody's got, you know, nice setups in the conference. Uh, you know, so he's got to just got to adjust when you go on the road. You just got to adjust. Usually the weather yeah. has, has a little bit more impact than, than the actual field and stadium. Yeah, it's almost a little political from Fritz the way he answers that, isn't it? Where he's not trying to be like, oh, the Liberty Bowl, I can't go in there. And it's not TDECU. It's, it's you know, we're all, we all have our advantages. <laughs> And, like, to an extent, he's right. There's something that makes every stadium unique, blah, 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 except for yeah. the two that play in NFL stadiums. Oh, my God. I'm thinking about Temple first and foremost there, not even thinking about yeah, USF. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I, I immediately knew that you were talking about Temple. <laughs> well, you know, wasn't even thinking about USF. But, no, like, okay. it, it's he's right. There is a little something unique to everywhere. And I think he's also very right. If you have to play at Cincinnati in November, you don't want a snowstorm. If you're new, from New Orleans, if you're playing yeah. UCF in September, you don't want 100 degrees and humid, though New Orleans is a little bit better equipped to handle that type of environment just because they deal with it too. But, you know, so it makes some sense. It is political, though. It's very, I mean, and he's like that, you know, he's he is a straightforward, straight shooter guy. It's and it's funny that... It is. And it's funny that he mentioned weather, given how they were displaced because of the hurricane last season. I mean, weather is a huge, a huge issue for them. So it's funny that he touched on that. Um, But yeah, you can see that it was difficult to draw, you know, to get him to single things out. So I really had to dig deep in my journalist arsenal for the next question where, and I got it, I got him to single somebody out, but I asked him, you know, coach, who is somebody that you like to face off against? in this league there's a lot we and you and i talked about this there's new coaches young guys Mm -hmm. so in him being one of the older guys i was like who are you looking forward to facing off against who's someone you like to meet across the gridiron and he actually named somebody and here it is we've got a really good group of coaches here they're you know i don't know very many of them very well but they really seem to be nice people and good programs and uh you know i've uh uh you know, probably Philip Montgomery, maybe. We both kind of came up uh, okay. Division Two, and, you know, in a little bit different way, you know, Juco and, with me. But I you know, I know Philip a little bit, you know, uh, but I don't, I, don't, I don't know some of the other coaches uh, quite as well. But from what I do know about them, we go to meetings, mm-hmm. pregame, they all seem like a really good group of guys. You know, I kind of, it makes sense to me why you would say Philip Montgomery because they have been around about the same length of time. I don't know if it's exactly the same off the top of my head, but it's right about the same length of time, five, six years each. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that makes sense. They've been together and they've been in the West division back when the conference had divisions too. So they've got a lot of familiarity there. I'd hazard a guess they're in the same recruiting ground a lot of times going into Texas too. So there is that ability to say, hey, we know each other pretty well. And as long as, you know, you don't hate the other guy for some reason. Why not build a friendship, right? In the, yeah. From the competition, I guess. I was a little surprised. I didn't know who he was going to say. So I thought I just, I, with him, you don't know. So I just really didn't know. So I was surprised when he, he pulled out, you know, coach Montgomery's name, but you know, I was able to, then I spoke with Tulsa head coach, Philip Montgomery, the, the next couple of days. And I was able to flip that question and ask coach Montgomery the same thing about who he's looking forward to facing off against. And he also said Fritz in his answer without me having prefaced it. 
And I told him later in the interview, Hey, you know, coach Fritz said the same thing about you. And he was like, that's funny. But what he mentioned, and we're going to play the clip for you here in a second, but what he mentioned is that their coaching paths are very similar in that they both started in high school, small ball coaching and worked their way up through small programs. So that's why he identifies with coach Fritz and they really get along when they see each other. But he wasn't the only coach that Montgomery named. He had a, another coach that he looks forward to meeting across the good line. Ken and I have been in this league longer than anybody. Yes. And <laughs> so Ken and I, we, we have a good relationship. Okay. We're always very competitive with each other, but that's always a tough game and, and uh, enjoy that part of it. Mm-hmm. From that standpoint, because we're friends, but I hate Clam. Uh, <laughs> we're just, you know, it's just, yeah. it's always a very, very tough matchup for us. Um, you know, Willie and I have, have become good friends and I think Willie does an outstanding job at Tulane. I mean, their teams mm-hmm. are always very well coached. They got great kids. They play extremely hard, uh, schematically. They do some things to always try to test you. And so, uh, I always enjoy getting an opportunity to, to go kind of head to head with Willie, uh, just because of the respect that I have with him. Yeah. I mean, coach Nia Matalolo, I don't see how you could not like him. You just had like, to say it. Did you notice that M- Montgomery didn't say his last name? He calls him Coach Ken. He calls him Ken. I bet a lot of people in the world call him. Well, first off, if you're both like 50-year-old men, I'm not calling you coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For both coaches and we're both in our 50s or however old they are. That's fair. I'm just going to say it. You're just a buddy to me at that point or maybe yeah. a friend of me. You're an whatever. equal, so I get it. I get it. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, I'm going to. Are you that. surprised that he named that he named Coach Ken? No, because it's kind of the same thing with Fritz naming Montgomery. They've been in mm-hmm. the league. I mean, Navy joined the league later than anyone else, but Ken's been their coach the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, and they were a West team too, which means there's that same familiarity. You know, they're not recruiting the same kids, obviously, because Navy's Navy and all that comes with that. But like again, there's a lot of familiarity that they wouldn't have with say. Luke Fickle, who I think would be the other oldest tenured coach in the conference at this point. Yeah, nobody uh, has been saying him. Everybody in the interviews really, that I've done have been saying that they look forward to playing at Cincinnati because it's like awesome. this fun and yeah, it's yeah. a great environment. But they they do not say that he's someone they look forward to seeing across the field. So I thought that was interesting. Well, again, I think because you're talking at least in this past, like with Fritz and Montgomery, mm-hmm. you're talking to guys who before the divisions kind of went away, were in the West together, whereas yeah. Pickle was out in the East. So I think there's just less familiarity there. But I had yeah. to take a guess. That's a complete shot. Maybe Fickle sucks to coach against because he's cold when you go to shake his hand or something. I don't know. He probably has, he probably has cold, guys. clammy hands. I bet calloused. I bet they're calloused. Just like Ugh. really like sandpapery. Ew. I like that he talked about facing off against Fritz because there's a respect, right? But then when he talked about Coach Ken, he he's like, I hate playing them because it's always a tough matchup. And it's like, anytime you talk to anyone about Navy, that is... It's, no, yeah, one it's, it's, no one wants to play them. No one wants to play them because, and I actually asked their fullback coach, Jason McDonald, about that because the fullbacks are a big part of that triple option and why they're so hard to play. And I was like, do you relish in the fact that you make this so hard for other people? And he was like, yeah, we do. We love it. We love yeah. it here. So I thought that was cool. Well, yeah. I mean, you have to take pride in what you're doing if you're running the triple like that. You can't just, mm-hmm. you can't do that with like, kind of like an, uh, I don't know, like, is this the right thing to be doing? Do you have to be like, hell yeah, they hate to play us. 
And you know what? We're going to make it worse for them than they expect this year. You know, if I mean, if that's not your attitude, then you're going to get blown. Your door is blown yeah. off. You know, yeah. If you're a fullback who doesn't hit the hole hard, whether they've got the ball or not, like, then you're going to get laid out by a linebacker every time. He had such a good. Well, hold on, real quick. Let me go say, well, on this. He. Oh, he called it seek and destroy mentality. And I literally died in I the interview. I was like, that's, that's fair. That was that's incredible. Your, that's like the best way I've heard to describe a fullback like ever. That was for your sideline SAS podcast, right? No. So it's funny. Okay. I just did release a podcast side note about fullbacks. I had Johnny Stanton from the Cleveland Browns and I had Mike Burton from the chiefs on to talk about fullbacks and everything. But I, I jumped in the Navy uh, zoom because they were doing full I've never been on a fullback like college zoom where there's like the coach and the players and I wore my make fullback straight again shirt yeah. and their SID Scott Strasmore who's incredible wrote in the chat like great shirt and then Jason McDonald followed me after on Twitter and wrote me a message and was like that was such a great shirt like thanks for your questions so it was just awesome to be able to speak with someone who coaches the position in college. Yeah. And they have know? that same kind of passion for it. Because yeah, exactly. You have a passion for the fullback spot. That's just like unmatched. It's unbridled. It's like, there's, yeah, there's very few people who bring passion <laughs> into like that one position, like any position, like you'll talk about like guys who are like, I'm a cornerback whisperer. Like all I do is D backs and like yeah. breakdowns. No. They don't have the passion for it because they're like, it's almost like a tired thing where it's like, I know everything there is to know about D backs here. Let me tell you what I know. <sighs> you know what I mean? It's like, all right. Oh, fullbacks, people oh, love you're asking hearing... me about cover three again. Got it. <laughs> people love talking about fullbacks. Anyway, I did not ask coach Montgomery about fullbacks because Tulsa doesn't really use them. Yeah, so I didn't want to the old Bryles, uh, yes. air raid system. Yeah. You know, but That's he could, really if he wanted run. to, he okay. could. They like what they run doesn't really resemble that old from 10 years ago thing no. anyways so like it is a different system but he that is he's out of the air raid for... i'm gonna go out there this weekend for their spring game and i will ask him to his face if he's gonna have a fullback after i look at the roster some more but i did talk to him about environments just like i talked to fritz mm-hmm. and coach montgomery had a little more of a uh he had a better answer because he he mentioned some more places and there are some places that you know won't surprise you but there was one that he talked about at the end which is like i guess he calls it kind of a rivalry i was very surprised because i did not know tulsa and this team had that rivalry but here's what he had to say about which environments were the fierce are the fiercest in the aac well, I feel like I've been to Cincinnati every year, but uh, we finally get to play them at home, which will be nice. Navy is always a tough place mm-hmm. to play, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, all the cadets are out. Um, yeah. It's a, it, it's always a great environment there, um, and you know what the game's going to feel like. Yeah. Uh, um, Memphis always has a tough crowd. Okay. Um, but as you get into it, Houston – their environment, depending upon, you know, and they've been good the last several mm-hmm. years. So when they're playing well, their crowd is usually into it, and it is always a difficult to place to, to play. But I think our guys always enjoy that that opportunity to go there. Did he surprise you with that, Dan? <laughs> I mean, no, I don't think he did. Okay. Because, okay. I mean, we've talked about all these places he brings up before to some True. extent or another. Cincinnati is obvious, Nippert's especially at night, incredibly difficult to play. You had to go up there for that AAC championship game in 2020 when it was like freezing rain and out and just miserably cold. He, there's no doubt in my mind that sticks with him. 
we've both talked about how unique a place Navy is and how like that can be its own challenge in its own right. He brought up the cadets. I think he's completely dead on. Liberty Bowl often overlooked, really tough to play. And then, yeah, he drives home Houston as, I think my favorite part's when he says, depending on how good they've been. Because <laughs> that's a little shot right there. If I you didn't catch I it, don't think he, if you heard, if you heard our conversation, he didn't mean it as a shot. He was just like, he was just like, when they're good, you know, the crowd is really good. Like a lot of places, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think he meant it as a shot. Well, that, what he's saying, Houston fans, is you don't show up for your six and six years. Oh, well, but, t- but do Tulsa fans show up for their six and years? Six and six years? T- Tulsa is a tough place to play. Like not to get us too derailed. It's got like the smallest enrollment in the FBS, I want to say. It might be Wake mm-hmm. Forest. That's the smallest. I know Tulsa is the smallest in the conference. It just and that makes it harder to field a good team because you need to, you know, have that huge portion of your student body be the football team, and yeah. it's hard to get a lot of fans in when you're in a state that has, you know, Oklahoma and Oklahoma so State that like take up yeah. so much of the right kind of mindset in the state. So you have to like. Really <laughs> Didn't you want me to attention. ask him about enrollment? You were like, ask him. About- I thought I said that's a good question to ask him. I did not, in fact, ask him about enrollment. I thought it was a thoughtful question. It it, it is. I'm just not sure. Like, and I don't know him well enough. Now that I've interviewed him and like I know what he responds to, open. I can feel it out. Like we had a long conversation at the end of the interview about his time at Tarleton State, um, because I'm just such a historical college football nerd. So Mm -hmm. I did like a deep dive and asked him about his time. He he was part of the best team in Tarleton football history. Um. And so I, and I asked him about his head coach, Hal, because I've heard stories and anyways. And so he kind of lit up when we talked about that and like mm-hmm. that journey coaching at smaller ball and then where he is now. And he had some really good quotes. So I'll definitely have to include those, incorporate them in, in our podcast at some point. Cause he talked about like how he was used to, he had, he had a really great quote where he talked about he would, when he first got to Tulsa he's the head coach of this big program and he went to go out to practice and he, he went to go collect his stuff, you know, to go out. And the, the, the like GAs were all like, and the equipment people are like, no coach, like everything's out there already. Like it's all set up, all your stuff's out there. And he was kind of like, Oh, you know, cause he's used <laughs> to having to take the cones out and like set yeah. them up. And you know, yeah, he, he's used to be like, it's almost feels like a little bit of a high school football coach thing where Hey, right. you know, the cones are over there. When you want to set up a three cone drill, you go right. set up a three cone. Yes. Drill. Like you have to line the field and you have to clean up the trash. And like, so he talked about that transition and that being one of the hard things that he had to go through is like letting go of that stuff. And also letting go of being in part of the rooms, because, you know, when you're a high school or a small ball coach, you're in the rooms with the guys all the time, you know, not just out recruiting them. And then you don't see them for a lot of practices or things, you know, cause the yeah. head coach, people don't realize head coaches are not in all of those rooms all the time. They have to yeah. delegate their stuff to well, their position coaches. And that's, there's a lot of talk nowadays about like the CEO model of coach. You know, you mm-hmm. get like a Nick Saban's a CEO of Alabama. That's why it runs so efficiently. Yeah. He's which able I to get. keep putting good people in the position to succeed and they just have to live up to their potential, which he is good pushing them to. That's what Brian Kelly is. And that's why LSU hired him away was they wanted a CEO model, a respectable model instead of that Ed Orgeron in your face kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's the same kind of deal where you have to kind of be like, okay, I guess my model. You have to let go. Is, yeah, I have to change my model and change who I am as a coach, which is why some guys don't make that transition to higher levels. Well, why they have to go back yeah. down because it's just some guys belong in a certain level, and that's not an insult to them. It's just a different world. And he said that he talked about there's a lot of great high school 
coaches out there and some of them don't, don't make it to the bigger and they don't, or they don't want to. And, but it doesn't change. He talked about the time at Tarleton state as being the best of his life because it was about football. It, you know what I mean? Like it really was guys that were there loved the game of football. Cause you're not at Tarleton state. If you don't, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, you're not there trying to go pro. Right. And, and some guys did because they transferred out and they used it as a stepping stone, but he, it was a very good conversation. So you could tell he lights up, you know, when you talk about certain things. And one of the things that he lit up that I talked to him about was how Tulsa has become this AAC disruptor, right? And so I asked him, I said, what do you feel about this role as that kind of disruptive team in the conference? And here's what he had to say about it. Well, I, I think, you know, we're one of those teams that that's always difficult to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think our guys do a really good job of, of preparing for games. I think we play very physical. Um, we're going to we're gonna play for a full 60 minutes, no matter what's going on with the scoreboard. And so uh, I think we have kind of put ourselves as one of those teams that that's always going to be a big battle. Mm-hmm. I can say that, though, for, for every team in our league. <laughs> you know, I, I think our league is, is tough top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the strength of our league is our numbers. And, and uh, every week's a battle. Every week, you've got to be prepared. We've got great players in this league. We've got really good coaches in this league. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you've got to bring your end game every, every week. So you know how we talked about how there's like this $35 million to leave the conference, like one year early thing going on right now. And is it going to mm-hmm. be that much? I would pay $35 million just to have UCF never play Tulsa again. Cause they <laughs> always ruin UCF season. See, always. that's what he's, yeah. That's they what are. I was talking and about. <laughs> like, I'm so happy that Tulsa is not on UCF schedule this year, just as a pure fan of UCF, because I know they would have lost that game, whether they should have or not. They just do <laughs> just how it goes. Yeah. So got to dodge them. You know, they are incredibly tough to play. And I think it's their attitude. They're, they're not scared of you. They might not be as physically talented or as you know athletic as you are, but they're not scared of you ever when they go in and they're usually very strong on the line. So yeah, they are a tough team to play. They are. And I like, I like that he touched on, you know, their, their resilience, their physicality, the fact that they can play 60 minutes, which I think is, is what it comes down to in college football is who can put together the complete game. I mean, and I know that sounds so trite and simplistic, but, but it's true. The the things are cliche for a reason is because they're, they're freaking true. Okay. It's like, you go, football's not really a game of inches. Then you see a guy, you know, like miss fumble a touchdown on, by yeah. an inch. Yeah. yeah and fumble you're like, on the yeah, goal well, line because he extended and he was an inch short, but the ball popped out or whatever. He's that, you know, like it actually is sometimes though. And the, and then they're also one of those teams, something that he didn't really say, but was in between the lines is that they're a, a mentally tough team. So they could be down or they could be, you know, have big plays made on them, but they don't ever like falter in that regard. Do you know what I mean? Or if they make a big mistake, they come back well. And I think that's a good sign of coaching and culture where you don't panic. Mm -hmm. That's confidence in your ability. Right. Not, you know, there are teams that I think, again, not to bring, not to everything is UCF with it, but like under the, under Josh Heupel, UCF had a a bad habit of compounding mistakes. You know what I mean? And that's a cultural problem. If one guy got a personal foul, then also you had two more in quick succession. Same with false starts, same with, just bad decision-making. Like it's just sometimes easy to compound mistake after mistake. And all of a sudden you're in a little bit of a hole or you've let a team come back on you or what have you. And 
yeah, Tulsa doesn't do that, which means they're in every single game. And I get on them sometimes because they lose to Cal Poly every now and again. You know, yeah. I mean? but then in that same vein, they'll take an Oklahoma State team who finished like number five in the country and won the Fiesta Bowl to the brink. You know, so like they are very capable of beating anyone. Yeah. You know, they I, are. They are a really good team. I think they are. I'm excited. I'm going to head out there this weekend. First time to Tulsa, Oklahoma to catch their spring game, which I've been informed by their SID is more of a practice and it's at 11 AM, which is going to be tough because I'm going to SMU spring game Friday night uh, at seven o'clock. So I will be bringing uh, you guys you... the sites. <laughs> what was no, that? I was just going to say, are you driving or flying from Dallas to Tulsa? I am flying for Christ's sake, Dan. Okay. I'm, I, I could drive because it's only a four hour drive, which I was informed by people out in Tulsa, but I am going to maximize my time and just fly in Friday to Dallas, catch the game, catch up with Coach Rob Likens, who I have now, this will be the fourth school I've covered him at. Love him. Um, coach Justice, who's the O-line coach who came from Miami. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see some familiar faces and kind of, you know, I read um, Sam Con Jr.'s piece about SMU's recruiting room, and I thought it was so incredible. And I'm excited to see this young, new culture that's there. Um, so I, I'm, I'm excited to check it out. I have some red boots ready to wear. Fun. For the I game, can, so. You have a big, like, Deed for Dallas. Uh, belt no, but I, you know, I'm going to be buying some gear because that, that, that shit is fire. I don't care what anybody says. I like the rebranding with the D and all that stuff. I think it's. Are you, you, do you like how Sonny Dykes t- took the uh, thing he was doing at SMU, which was Dallas, the city kind of deal, like mm-hmm. put the D on everything. And now he's calling TCU uh, the DFW's big 12 team. It's mm-hmm. he's putting that on, I think the jerseys. I, no, I didn't, but I could he's care less take, what Sunny Dykes is doing. I was gonna say, he's taking like the exact same marketing strategy over to TCU. Throw some D's on that. That's like a, see, that's another good song. Anyways, um, yeah, so follow along. Make sure you guys stay tuned because I will be there. I'll be writing some things up about my observations. If you have any recommendations for the Tulsa area or the Dallas area, please shoot them my way on Twitter. Uh, it's going to be a fun weekend. Um, I'm excited, so. Absolutely. We hope you enjoy these clips from these coaches. I hope you guys like this stuff because we're trying to do more of it. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. You've got Holt Nailers that you're going to be talking to shortly. Yes. And eventually we're going to have these guys on the podcast with both of us. We're just, I'm feeling some things out with teams and, and coaches. And and to be completely honest, I've been not good busy. for time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been transitioning a job. I've been moving. It's been yeah. a lot. It, it's hard to coordinate an interview with both of us, especially being bi-coastal. So exactly. uh, we're doing the best we can to bring you guys the content. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. Like, like you said, and you know, yeah. it's the off season. So I yes. think we're doing a pretty good job getting everything in yeah. you know, spring practices are rocking right now. Forgot to mention it earlier. Alton McCaskill did running back from Houston towards ACL. Wanted to get that little bit of news in there. Uh, last Friday at practice for Houston. So don't know the exact timetable. Most cases in ACL tears the season. This far out, though, if it's a minor tear, hypothetically, he could be back at some point. But there's no time. It's very sad. We're sending, I mean, you can recover now from an ACL injury way quicker than you used to be able to. So if it's a partial partial mm -hmm. tear, he could be back. If it's a complete tear, he probably won't. And we're going to try and find that out. I'm hoping to talk to some Houston coaches this week. And so we'll do our best to find out how he's doing. And we're sending our best his way because he is a baller and we would like to see him back on the field. Yeah. It's big for Houston to try to like compete at the top of the conference, which I think we both think they should. Yes. 
They should. And then stay tuned. You know, we're going to, I'm going to finish. I know Dan has some things you want to say, but we're going to have some more coaches interviews in the next one. I spoke with ECU head coach, Mike Houston, one of my absolute favorite. Yeah. Yeah, He's, he's incredible. And he sounds just like the actor who plays um, the coach in Friday night lights. And I actually had a whole email exchange with their SID about it. Cause I was like, if you guys watch super pumped, the story about Uber, that's now on, I think it's on showtime. It's a whole new series about Uber and um, Joseph Gordon Lowit or whatever his name is. Play, play, Levitt, yeah, he, yes. He plays the main guy for Uber and you should check it out. It's a good show, but the, his investor, one of his VCs is the head coach from Friday Night Lights, the show. And I'm telling you that Coach Houston sounds exactly like him. I felt like I was talking to him. So I actually tweeted that and the SID was like, oh, I need to check this out. No one's ever said that. So we'll have some tidbits from Coach Houston. Maybe I'll play some things from, you know, uh, Coach Jason McDonald from Navy, the, the fullback coach. And I spoke with Dan's favorite USF head coach, Jeff Scott, about the culture and the change out there for the Bulls. So we'll have his quotes on next time as well. The great thing about Jeff Scott's culture is not letting anyone see the spring game because oh there's God. valuable information there that could be stolen. You don't First want that. Well, people do that all the time. David Shaw doesn't let anyone watch his practices for the same reason. Yeah, so but it's, I think no matter what weird. coaches, it's no, I think every coach who does it's weird. And I'm not, not saying weird. it's not, I'm not saying it's not uncommon. I'm saying I think it's paranoid. I, th- I mean, yeah, probably, but it's also like, okay. I get it. But like, is anyone like, oh, we got to steal that USF spring game footage to beat them this year? They've won three games, one of which was against an FBS team. You know what? Year. If you're a USF fan, go to the game in person, okay? That's really the only thing that matters. If you watch spring games on TV, I don't have any I, – I can't help you, so. Hey, I'm telling you. You go, you go for the fresh-cut grass. You go for the food. You go for the sounds of the pads. You, you don't go – you don't watch it on TV, okay? Thank you, differ. Wow. Okay. Well, gotta watch the uh, blue and gold Notre Dame spring game somehow. See my boy Tyler Buckner. Oh my God. I just, come on. He's a Cali kid. You gotta love like, him. Who hurt you? I'm fine. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Even. I am great, guys. I'm doing fantastic. Believe that. I'm also gonna head out to Memphis to their spring game um, in two weeks. So I'm very excited to finally make it to Liberty. The Liberty Ball. <laughs> don't just say Liberty, then people are can't. I'm gonna say Liberty. Virginia. The Liberty Ball. Whatever. I'm excited to get out there. My boy Tim Cramsey's the OC there now, so I'm excited to see him. And I'd be mostly excited for the barbecue, but that's just you know, yeah. Me. Well, I'm gonna do that too. But I'm also excited for Seth Hennigan. Uh, we need to get him on I'm, the pod. I'm, say, I'm hearing that that's a real quarterback battle, with Frank Canell this year. Interesting. I we think... said that I we had that same conversation this last. But Ganell got hurt. Ganell got hurt. Yeah. That's what happened. And then Hennigan won the job. But I'm hearing that that's a real competition. I know that UCF John Rice Plumley versus Mikey Keene's a real competition. Um, I'm going to be upset if where he else beats out Seth Hennigan. But Seth Hennigan, with the tweet of the week, anyone willing to do an NIL deal to give back to my offensive lineman, please feel free to reach out. Look at what a guy. Yeah. Give, Are you telling me that he's not attention. campaigning for the starting job with his offensive? Like, what and going back to move? the barbecue thing, you're telling me there's not a single barbecue place in Memphis that couldn't use some offensive lineman representation. I'm sure he's going to, I mean, I don't know. I retweeted it to help him out, but I'm sure there's going to be some people that respond um, yeah. to respond to that. And I'm Absolutely. sure they'll be. And they should. I'll follow up on that when I go out there and see. 
like I said, if there's not some place slinging ribs and brisket that can't use an offensive lineman to say these are the ribs and brisket for you, yeah. then I can't not, help. That's what an yeah. IL was made for. I don't really have any, I have nothing I'm else afraid. to say then. Uh, but yeah, you know, I had one complaint about the way we talked about Cinderella's in college basketball versus college football. I don't know if we have time. Oh for it. boy. Uh, it's a yeah, long complaint. Okay. Well, Oh, it's, it's long. Okay. Well, I could talk about it for a while. I can hit us with the cliff notes, man. Okay. Well, Cause I gotta are... go. All right. I'll be quick about this. <laughs> right. I just want to say we talk about Cinderella's in college basketball. Like they're this thing to be lived up to. And like, thank God St. Peter's beat Kentucky because we wanted to see that bit of joy and like how amazing is it that, a team that never has a chance to do this and we would automatically assume couldn't do this, did it. Then we turn around and in college football, we're like, we don't even want to see them have the opportunity because we know the end result. Well, you know, 19 out of 20 times, the end result of a 15 versus two or a 16 one is a blowout, but we don't complain about it. We don't go, Oh, those games are going to be get poor ratings because they're going to be blowouts. Right. You know, it's just, I don't know why the attitude when we, the reverse of the college football is, oh, you need to only have the best teams playing because don't you want to watch the best teams at the end of the year? Well, if they're the best teams, then they'll beat, you know, the lower ranked seed. If Kentucky right. is better than St. Peter's, then they would have beat them in March. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I know that, yes, they've got more talent on their roster. They've got the, you know, higher paid coach and all that, and they've got the tradition. But if all that counted for then they would have won. And if, you know... Mm-hmm then the next team would have beat them. Sometimes it's special to watch a special run. College football is the only sport where we don't like it when a team that's a little bit off the beaten path goes and wins it all. In 2007, no one outside of Patriots fans was upset when the Patriots lost the Super Bowl to a Giants team that didn't deserve to make the playoffs. It was Mm -hmm. celebrated that the Giants went on this magical run and no one questioned the model. And you've got like Kirk Herbstreit who tweeted out and I'm going to, I wrote this down because I want. Oh boy. You wrote it down. Yeah. I wrote it down. Okay. Man, how much, I'm sorry, man, love how much the at Peacock's men's basketball loves to compete and play for one another. Incredibly well-coached and selfless basketball team. Love watching their culture be rewarded on this grand stage. Congrats. And can't wait to watch you all in the sweet 16. Now this is the same Kirk Herbstreit who spent years talking about how no G5 team ever deserves to make the playoff. And then when Cincinnati finally did, he said, after this is another tweet from Kirk Herbstreit, by the way, after Cincinnati made the playoffs, after seven years of bitching and complaining from a vocal minority of college football, uh, that the college football playoff system is rigged and that the small guy will never get a chance. That was in all mm. caps, by the way. Mm. I haven't heard much from them the last couple of days. Everything okay? What's your next conspiracy theory? Can't wait because that one is history. First off, if Oklahoma State could have punched the ball in from the one-yard line, Cincinnati wouldn't have made the playoff. They had no choice because everyone else had two losses at that point. Mm-hmm. Second off, why is the attitude so much different there? It's not celebrating Cincinnati. It's complaining that the people said, hey, this is an unfair system where you're limiting who has access. Every conference in college basketball has access. It's a good thing. I think college football needs to expand, and I don't understand the attitude difference. And that's, I guess, for now, rant over because we're doing cliff notes. I think a lot of people felt the same way. And we saw a lot of discussions about that on social media. Um, I just would say that it's, it does, it's, it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I understand your pain and I feel it and I'm sorry, but. Well, I think irrelevant. it does matter. Because that's th- why they, don't to, they don't care. They don't care. But like, 
expand the college football playoff and stop being such a stooge for ESPN Kirk. Hmm. Cause he is a stooge for his boss at the end of the day. I mean, yeah. I, mean, I know paid a lot of money. So. I, say, I know we're all stooges <laughs> for our boss because like, right. I, I get it. We all are like, yeah. <laughs> if my boss tells me to uh, edit a thing a certain way, so it reads a different way, I'm probably going to do it, but yeah. it's, not, it's not the point. My point is it sucks that that's, you're celebrating one underdog and then basically saying that once you get a little scrap underdog and you never should get another. Yeah. And I just don't get the attitude change other I'm than sorry. it's convenient. I know it sucks. All right. It does. I got to let you go. Yeah. I, we, we had a time crunch on this one and we actually did pretty well. No, I'm, just, I'm only a little bit over. So. I was going to say, I was trying not to go too far over. No, you, you did good. I'm sorry. I don't have a better rebuttal for you. I just, it's fine. I just wanted to it, rant it, a little. Yeah. Okay. And then. like I said, I could probably rant it for another 10 minutes, but cliff notes. <laughs> Well, we'll be back after next weekend and maybe we'll try and do one every, I think we should do one every week this month because there's so much going on. Yeah, we can definitely try to. I mean, yeah, after the spring games this weekend, then I'm heading to Birmingham, Alabama for the inaugural USFL games. Mm -hmm. So excited. I'm going to catch up with Daryl Johnston there. Who's the VP of all that stuff and i'm awesome. very excited i've never been to birmingham and i'm excited to be at the beginning of something like this you know i think it's so cool yeah that'll be awesome we've got the nfl draft coming up and yep. earlier the there will be the super podcast with the uh cusa yes. guys stay uh, tuned for that yeah we got a lot going on in the month of april and then not too long from now we need to start our preseason uh reviews for each team oh god i know that's why I'm trying to get out to these spring games so I can get like I don't feel comfortable talking and reviewing about things that I haven't really seen so I'm definitely gonna a lot of research yeah yeah I'm gonna put in some time on the ground at least at a few schools so after spring you can also expect another rash of transfers just heads up to everyone if you if you thought your roster was set no it isn't (laughs) psych because guys who realize they're buried on the depth chart are gonna be moving yeah it's going to be fun. Well, stay tuned because we will be back with more of that. Yep. And in the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Dan more Dan underscore Morrison 96. I know what this is on Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Emilnem, E-M-I-L-N-E-M. All right. We're off. We'll see you next time. 